Welcome to the Victorious Souls Podcast with self-love coach, Danielle Burnock. Things happen in our lives that make us feel powerless. But Danielle believes that anyone can become a victorious soul by reclaiming what belongs to them, their value, their belovedness, and their God-given superpower. The Victorious Souls Podcast is dedicated to empowering you to rise up, reclaim, and embrace the change from survive to thrive as a victorious soul through the power of love. And now, here's that lady on the internet who loves you, Danielle. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to my interview today. Today I have a woman named Sharon Hughes. She was abducted at the age of seven. And that is just one of the ways that she has been through childhood trauma and one of the many things that she's had to overcome, including she's been battling COVID this last week, but she is well enough and she showed up because she cares about you just like I do. I'm Danielle Burnock from DanielleBurnock.com. Love yourself from Survive to Thrive, that lady on the internet who loves you. Today live with Sharon Hughes, an author, a coach, and a speaker helping other people overcome things in their life as well. So I can't wait for you to hear what she has to say, what she has to share with you. I will bring her in here right now to meet you. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you so much for showing up and being willing to open up and share your story with people. You have so many parts of your life that you struggled with and were under attack and all these different ways. And I just thank you for your courage and your boldness and authenticity of showing up today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Well, as I said in your introduction, you were abducted at the age of seven. What was life like before all of that? Before we get into all of that, what happened before you were seven? Oh, life was crazy before I was before I was abducted. So it was just one big crap show. (laughs) I think that, um, you know, it's funny is when when I look at my life and I think of the things that were actually going on in the house that I was abducted from, it was it was kind of like I was being taken from one really bad situation to another bad situation. Wow. Yeah. There was a lot of, lot of obstacles to overcome. Yeah. So who was it who abducted you and how did that all take place? So my father, yeah. (laughs) Why is, why is the question of the day? I think I've, I've decided that I'll probably never know exactly why. I mean, I've, I've tried to, um, excuse me, analyze my father's motives, um, you know, my parents divorced and my mom had, had moved me and my siblings from California to Missouri. And one of my brothers, the, the brother that helped abduct me, he was, he was very, very brokenhearted. He, he wanted his dad desperately, but our, our dad was, he was an abusive man. So that particular brother had hitchhiked 
from Missouri to California. That's, I guess that's the thing that people were doing in the seventies. So weird. And he wasn't that old either. I would be horrified if I was his mother, but he actually drove with my dad back to Missouri and they took me out the bedroom window one night. Wow. Yeah. It was really crazy. (laughs) Was it scary? I mean, were you sleeping and they woke you up or? Yeah, I was asleep and they woke me up and, you know, like anything you wake up, you're trying to get your, your bearings. Yeah. Sounds real young. It's really young. I, I remember crying and calling for my mother and she didn't come. And that really, really disturbed me. And when we, when they put me in the car and we drove away, we drove back across the front of the house and I could see her, there was a big picture window. And I remember seeing her sitting. um, It looked like she was reading a book as if she didn't, she didn't even hear me. I mean, because it's not like she was up, you know, and frantic, but it always bothered me. And And it's kind of interesting is so it was in the newspaper and my mother had kept the newspaper clip. And so I have that and it's weird. It's really weird. That is weird. Oh, wow. So how long did you stay with your dad? So that was seven years until the same brother, (laughs) the same brother had, had been kicked out. And then had, I, I imagine, went back and lived with my mom. I'm not really sure where he ended up and all the, all the details of that. But when I was 14, there was a phone call that came to the house and it was him. And um, he's, there, was, there was a lot going on in the house. Like literally at the, at the timing that he called, my stepmom was trying to leave my dad. There had been you know, domestic dispute and the police had been out and all that stuff. And she was trying to figure out what to do with me because she hadn't adopted me. And so Mm -hmm. she she had hired this lawyer to try to leave my dad. And, you know, like, it's just so crazy, but she was told you don't have a legal right to me. So they were going to put me in the system. She was trying to figure out what to do. So coincidentally, my brother calls and he's like, Hey, do you want to see mom? And I was like, okay. You know, I see. See, mom, that I was abducted from who didn't seem to care that I left or go in the system. It, you know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, what a choice for a 14 year old to be faced with. Oh, my goodness. Everything was always so much crazy. It was like, oh, OK, well, let's give this a whirl. <laughs> let's see how this plays out. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. Wow. So how long were you with your mom and, and, and all of that? Oh gosh. Let's see. I was with her maybe two to two and a half years. There was some shuffling back and forth. Um, I remember being put on a bus and sent back to my dad. Oh, wow. And she was remarried again, right? You had a stepdad over there too. Yes. And the stepdad, he was, he was a piece of work. He was a piece of work. His sons were unsavory characters. Yeah. There was wow. an awful lot. Yeah. So when you were 16, you became the title of your book. You became the girl yeah. in the garage. What happened mm-hmm. when you were 16? That was so, just two years after that. Yeah. So at that point I was, I was still living with my mom and stepdad. 
And I had went out to, I was invited to a Halloween party by an older boy that worked at a restaurant that we went to all the time and, um, you know, got to the party and he wasn't particularly interested in me. And, you know, it's, it's the typical like teenage girl, big crush on the older boy. And he's kind of like, whatever, you know, (laughs) we, we, we always see that in the movies and she's like all distraught and, um, but his sister, so the party was at his older sister's house, but another sister handed me a red solo cup. Sorry, red solo cup. You get a bad rap, but um, <clears throat> I know. It wasn't the solo cup's fault. It's not the solo cup's fault. I know. There's a song about the solo cup, but. <laughs> I didn't know that. There is. There is. Yeah. Your, your millennials <laughs> listeners will, will probably know. But (laughs) anyway, so I went in the bathroom with my cup and I was fixing my costume and I took a few sips and immediately I just thought, wow, I'm so tired. I just need to lay down on the floor for a minute. And I did. And I woke up in a garage about seven and a half, eight hours later. Yeah. With older boy. (laughs) And we were at a different location. That's what's kind of interesting is, and I, I do have a blurry memory of being put in a car and being driven. So, which is really crazy because now as a parent, you know, looking at the things going on in the world, I was like, I'm lucky to be alive. I'm lucky yeah. I wasn't trafficked. I'm lucky I wasn't gang raped. Like, you know, this could have went, it was bad, but it could have went many other really bad ways. Yeah. You live to tell the tale too. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. lived to tell the tale and woke up in a garage being taken advantage of. And it's like, oh, yeah. And then you said at 17, things even got worse than that. Oh, well, yeah. So somewhere in that mix, I was sent back to live with my dad and I hated him. I absolutely hated him. And I had written a letter to my mom just saying, you know, like you were right. I hate him, blah, 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 blah. And I hadn't mailed it, but my stepmother found the letter and she showed him. So he kicked me out. So there I was, instead of learning how to drive and going to slumber parties, I was now homeless, which it's, it's just so weird when you think of parents. And, and what's crazy is, so my dad, he was kind of like, you know, like middle class, we lived in a nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a high functioning alcoholic. He went to work every day. People liked him, but he was a really bad person behind closed doors. Wow. Yeah. He's kind of a case study in my book. Both, <laughs> well, actually, both my parents, I talk about them. And then I talk about my daughter's father a bit. Okay. Well, all these things that you have been through all this time, they left you with a particular lie that you had told me that you believed. What was that lie that just forged itself into your mindset from the accumulation of all of that? You know, I just believed that I had no value, Mm -hmm. especially because like, it's bad enough to go through like all these traumatic events, but Mm -hmm. it's really bad. Like, so going back to the, the night of the garage story, my assailant drives me home. And when I get home, I don't have house keys. The light is off and the door is locked. So I had to, you know, knock and 
wake somebody up to get in. And my mother came to the door and she opened it and she just looked at me and she didn't say, you know, what happened? Where have you been? I mean, who lets their 16 year old just be out until four and doesn't seem to be very concerned. Like I, I don't know what was going on in her head. Now she was the kind of person that when she couldn't take life anymore, she would take um, sleeping pills and go to bed. Mm. So she had her own demons that she was battling, but she never did ask what happened. And it was like the, the, the response from her kind of, I felt like that sealed my, my, my belief fate, like Mm -hmm. that nothing matters. It just doesn't matter to anybody. I'm here for the taking it. I mean, at that point I'd had so many people sexually abuse me, people that should have been protecting me. Mm -hmm. And I, I did, I was in therapy at one point. And I remember just saying, it just feels like it says, use me on my forehead. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, I'm going to pause here for who's listening. Mm. Are you dealing with those feelings that you feel like you have no value and maybe it says, use me on your forehead. Well, keep listening for how Sharon got out of this and how she lives now in victory and overcoming and is thriving in life. Not perfect because nobody's life is, but she has overcome so much. So Sharon, how did you, how did you overcome? How did you take ownership so that you could get out of all of that? Well, you know, I think that I have mostly figured out, but every now and then I look back and I go, how did I do that? Because that just doesn't make sense. (laughs) On the cover of my book, it says the true story of radical healing by a radical God. I'm a woman of faith. Mm -hmm. God's in the miracle business. I believe that (laughs) absolutely. Like, because really, okay. So here's, this is interesting. I had a therapist say to me, like, I wasn't the norm. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, most women that have been through what you've been through have like 10 kids from five baby daddies. They have addiction and they're living in a trailer somewhere. Okay. Well, really? I was like, that kind of pissed me off. Cause I think it was kind of in a way he was trying to say like, yay, you, cause you're not the norm. But since I've been doing this work, I find countless women that look like me. Like if you saw me on the street, you wouldn't be like, whoo, that girl's been through something. There's so many women that are putting on the brave face yeah, and they have horrific stories that are way worse than mine. And, yeah. and I think oh, it's, it's like personal. There's no, there's no measuring them. It's how yeah. it's. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And what we do with it. Now, you had talked about <clears throat> that you broke up with the lies. Yeah. You broke up with the lies that you were believing. You believed the lie that you had no value because you do have value. Yeah. And you took ownership of your power. You said that, you know, you wanted to share how you are much more powerful than you think you are. Yeah. So audience, hear this. You are much more powerful than you think you are. You can overcome. You mm-hmm. can heal. And God can help you if you will let him. <laughs> oh, see, that's that's the point right there mm-hmm. is he can. He will but are you willing? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, if you read it in the Bible and you see some of the, like the new Testament stories, like where Jesus is talking to the the man that couldn't walk. And he says, Mm -hmm. what do you want? I remember the first time I read that. I'm like, well, Jesus, you know, everything. Like, why would you ask him that? 
it wasn't until years later, I realized some people are so identifying with their issue and they're so stuck in their story. They don't know how to be anything but that. Yeah. And I think that that's very true. Like with, with countless people, countless people, it's true with my mother. It was true with my father. It was true with, you know, my father's, um, my, my daughter's father, like just so many people. And even my clients, it's like, why are you holding on to this identity? That's not even, it's not a real identity. It's, it's like this belief system about yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you are ready to stop being the victim in your story, you can, you can be the victor. You can do anything. Cause I, I even had a therapist say, I said, I don't feel like a victim. He goes, well, you should. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Okay. I was a victim of a crime, multiple crimes, mm-hmm. but why should I walk around feeling like a victim? Because I'm still well, it's like, standing. It's like we, the things we've been through, we were a victim of that thing, but we don't have to live as a victim. Right. We can, we can have a new identity after that. We can get up and walk away. We can heal. We mm-hmm. can become a new person. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think this word victim is a dangerous word. Mm-hmm. It can take hold when you don't want it to. Right. Yeah. yeah but to answer the, your, oh, go one ahead. of the things that I love that you said is that uh, how you help the people that you counsel in that and coach and stuff mm-hmm. is that believing a lie is just as powerful as believing the truth. Mm-hmm. And then yes. you ask them another question. What's another question that you, you ask your clients? Oh, do you want to hear the story of how that came? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Because it, it's really, it's a God question. I, it's, I, I just realized the other day, I was like, this is God's question. So, <laughs> um, I was preparing for a, a talk I gave and I was um, like really sitting with my story and how to share it and all. And that was when I was like, it's not just a random question. It's a God question. I had this little epiphany. Anyways, I was laying in bed. This is like, I don't know, five or six years ago. And I was Mm -hmm. like, God, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I mean, I've hit lows, many, many lows, but this was different. I felt I felt emotionally defeated and broken. And so I was laying in bed praying. I had just woken up and I just thought, you know, why, why even continue on? And I heard God say to me, what are you believing about yourself? And I thought, well, you know, everything like there's a, (laughs) there's a list. (laughs) And he said, is it true? And that is super, super confrontational, right? You, you have to answer it mm-hmm. if, if you don't answer it. So for the audience here, if you don't answer this, you are robbing yourself. You are robbing your soul. You are robbing your legacy, like your children and your children's children and the world around you. So you have to answer, what do you believe about yourself? And is it true? That's so powerful. I was thinking mm-hmm. about that before we got into the interview today. I was thinking about <laughs> our discussion, how it was going to go. And I remembered when I was in counseling and a couple of times that my counselor asked me about situations I was talking with her about, she said, why did you believe them? Mm. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know. But then I would look back and because there was a pattern 
mm-hmm. before that, that paved the way for that lie. Yeah. But then I got to a place where I was able to embrace healing and I've come out of that, mm. but it was the problem wasn't as much what they said to me as it was that I believed it mm-hmm. because people can say things to us and we, we don't believe it. They can say, you know, you're ugly, you're fat, you're stupid or whatever. And we're like, no, I'm not. And then it, it like can bounce off of you. Mm-hmm. But when it internalizes, that's when it causes the wound, especially as children growing up, because they don't have the mental capacity to think otherwise. They're just operating in their patterns while their brain is forming. Yeah. And that's such a good point is because children, you know, when we look up at the adults around us that are, you know, supposed to be leading us and protecting us, mm-hmm. we expect that they know the things that we don't. So whether it's a parent, it's a teacher, it's a coach, it's a, you know, like a babysitter or whoever it is that's speaking lies into your life. Like, I know some kids are like, yeah, that's not true. But you hear it enough that child is going to start going, no, wait a second. Mm -hmm. You know, am am I? Yeah, maybe, especially when it comes from multiple places. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. How the inverse is also true and powerful when we who have suffered from trauma and have healed, mm-hmm. when we will do the work and it, listener, if you will do the work, you can change mm-hmm. your family going forward. When mm-hmm. we don't do the work, we just repeat it. And that's when mm-hmm. generational trauma just continues and continues and it just repeats itself and repeats yeah. itself. But if we can be a cycle breaker by changing that. By owning that, by speaking life into it. And if we have that, you know, mother and father, sister and brother, aunts and uncles, grandparents, when, you know, someone at church, teachers, when you have multiple authority figures speaking life and speaking value into you, Mm -hmm. you believe that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, it's about belief. What do you believe? It's all about belief. It is. So yes, it is so powerful. So you have a book, show us your book and tell us about your book. There's the book. It's got a lot of tabs. I, I teach out of this copy a lot. Um, you know, and the title, what's the title and subtitle? The girl in the garage, three steps to letting go of your past. So okay. it's broken out into three sections. First of all, I, I tell my story and not so that people are going to feel sorry for me or anything like that. It's just so that you can see what's possible to overcome. Mm-hmm. So what I went through might be very different for any of your listeners, but there's going to be something in there that's going to go ah with them or yeah. that maybe, maybe even not them, but um, a sister or a girlfriend or, you know, a cousin, a daughter. So, um, and it's written as a workbook and it has Bible verses in it also. And it's all about really sitting and going, oh, like, for example, we talk about labels. What label were you given? You know, when you were young, what were you, what were you called? I mean, I even go so deep into, um, say you came here and English is your second language. Mm-hmm. So you were made to feel less than. So mm. like you might feel like, you know, you, you fit in perfectly well where you came from and spoke that language and understood that culture, but mm-hmm. you come here and, you know, depending on where, where you're living, you might not be in a community that speaks your native language. You might feel like you're less than, and is that true? 
are you less than because you speak a different language? You know, like these are crazy (laughs) things that get into people's heads. Right. Right. Yeah. Because different different doesn't have to be bad, but different gets painted as bad, but different can is actually a beautiful thing. I have a a quote that I have on my wall from the greatest showman of uh, no one made a difference by being the same as everyone else. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And but for, you know, when you're growing up as a kid, all you want to do is belong. And so different feels like a bad thing. And so I, it's one of the things I want to help share and you're sharing too, is different isn't bad. That's right. Different can be very good. It doesn't make you less than you're just different. I mean, we're all different. Snowflakes are all different and it's a good thing. Unique is good. And we need to learn our gifts and tap into them and and own our value like you did. Owning your value, reclaiming your value. You Mm -hmm. reclaimed your value because that use it label was a lie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that you don't have any value. That was a lie. You have great value. And you listener, you have great value. Even if you don't feel it, you do have it. And I dare you to take ownership of it like Sharon has here. And so Sharon, how can people connect with you? Where can they find you online? Where can they get a copy of your book? And Well, you can find me at SharonHughes.net and I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, all the, all the usual social media places. If you just Google Sharon Hughes, you'll, you'll find me. And if you want a copy of the book, it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It used to be on Walmart and Target. It might still be there. But yeah, just do a search. (laughs) Well, thank you. Is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with today? Well, you know, just once again, don't give up on yourself because doing the work on yourself is the greatest gift that you can give yourself. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like being free. There's nothing like cutting those ropes and letting go of what's holding you down so that you can move forward. And even though it's really hard right now for you to imagine what that might be like, maybe it's even hard for you to imagine that you deserve that. You need to know that no matter who you are or what you've done or what's been done to you is that you matter and that you are loved by the creator of the universe. So just sit with that thought for a moment, even if it feels like it's not true. Because Danielle and I know it's true. And, and we'll pinky promise swear. You can take us to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> you got that. Well, thank you so much for being with me today, Sharon. Thank you. And I'll uh, talk to you again soon. Sounds great. So there you have it. What an amazing story that Sharon has. And if you want more of the information of what happened in her her trials and tribulations as a child and going from one place to another and how she made those choices and how she makes them now and how to come out of those lies and come into the truth and take ownership of your value because you do matter. You do matter. And like Sharon said, sit with that for a minute. And in my book, Because You Matter, I say, just dare to believe that. Just consider the possibility. However little bit you have to do to just Try and grab a hold of that. Please do because you matter and because I love you. So until next time, I'm Danielle Burnock from DanielleBurnock.com. Love yourself from Survive to Thrive, that lady on the internet who loves you. Thank you so much for listening to the Victorious Souls podcast. You matter and you are loved. We'd love to connect with you further. 
So please visit us at daniellebernock.com and grab a copy of Danielle's free audiobook. And remember, only you can change your life. No one can do it for you.